0: Suncast is brought to you by Sungrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar.
1: I was living in Patagonia, and I remember I was just taking a flight to Buenos Aires one day. And when the plane would leave, you would just fly over the oil fields. And it just saddened me to see how destroyed everything was after years of years of that. And it just didn't feel right. This is Suncast. In every battle, there's a front line. On that front line are warriors whose courage and action shape the outcome of the battle. The world is currently engaged in a
0: literal power struggle, a battle in global energy as it evolves from fossil fuels to renewable energy. Suncast is a conversation with solar warriors on the front lines, building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. We learn their secrets to personal and professional growth, market development, and industry insights. And now, join solar industry veteran, Latin America fanatic, and your host, Nico Johnson. Hey there, and welcome to episode 29 of Suncast. As you just heard, I'm your host, Nico Johnson, and today we'll be spending time with Alejo Lopez of Next Tracker. You should keep listening if you're interested at all in what's happening in the Mexico market, where else in Latin America Alejo believes is hot or not, what it's like to convert from the dark side of oil and gas to the renewables industry, Alejo's key lessons and takeaways as one of the region's veteran developers, and some fantastic book recommendations. Hey, speaking of Mexico, Alejo and I will both be at the upcoming MIREC conference in Mexico City the week of May 8th. If you're planning to be there, I'd love to meet you. There's nothing better than putting a face to a name, and meeting at these conferences is a great way for us to get to know each other. Before we get into today's show, I'd like to say thank you, as always, to those faithful listeners who continue to come back every week. Your voice is present in this and all episodes, as I cherish and implement the feedback you provide, including interviewing those people you've recommended. So if you have someone or something that you think should be on Suncast, just shoot me an email or a LinkedIn message. Or just pop over to the website and leave me a quick voicemail right from your smartphone. The email is nico at mysuncast.com. The website, mysuncast.com. And Suncast is made possible in part by industry partners like Solrates. Solrates helps solar installers in the United States provide instant online financing quotes for commercial and industrial customers with projects of $100,000 in value or more. To learn more, visit www.solrates.com. That's S-O-L-R-A-T-E-S. If you'd like an invitation code to join the SoulRates platform, please reach out to me directly. SoulRates is currently only offered for U.S.-based projects. Well, that's it for the preamble. You're going to love Alejo's insights today, so let's get to it. Thanks again for taking the time to be here, and enjoy this week's episode of SunCast with Alejo Lopez. Today on Suncast, we have Alejo Lopez. Alejo's senior director of business development for Next Tracker in Latin America, based out of Mexico City. He's been a leader, entrepreneur, and advisor in the clean tech industry since 2005 and in the energy industry since 1997. I met Alejo when he was leading Hanwha Q Cells, Mexico project development efforts. Before that, he was in project development and finance with the Spanish module company Silicon. Alejo has quite a storied career, converting from the dark side, as he puts it, as a petroleum engineer. And I'm glad to finally, at long last, have Alejo on the show to share the gritty details. Alejo, welcome to SunCast, my friend.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Nico. It's really, it's really good to be here.
0: Yeah, I, Alejo has the distinction of being the person I have asked the most times to be on the show. Uh-huh. And it's just uh, both of us working, you know, both of us working in sales and development. It's been impossible to get. Uh, in person together. So here we are in person in Mexico City, and I'm stoked to finally get a chance to dig in a little more and get to know you. I feel like I know you, but I bet there's some stories that I don't know yet. So let's jump in a bit to your background.
1: You're Argentine. Correct. Yes, I am. Argentina. Yep. In what part of Argentina? I am from Mendoza, which is in the central western part of Argentina, in the mountains, wine region. Wine if country. you add a Malbec, yeah, it's 99% likely that it comes from Mendoza. Nice. So it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a big town and and uh, yeah.
0: So if you had if you have uh, if you have Alejo at your dinner party, let Alejo choose the wine.
1: <laughs> probably a Malbec.
0: Perfect, perfect. And you grew up in Argentina. You studied in Argentina. In particular, you went to university to study as an engineer. Can you tell me a bit about what you had in mind? Put me in your head at 18, 19. I'm going to go to university. I'm going to become a petroleum engineer. Yeah.
1: So, you know, I um, I grew up in Mendoza. Mendoza, uh, you know, the, the Andes are probably the highest in the Americas at that point. You have a concagua, 7,000 meters. So uh-huh. you have these amazing mountains. And, and I always loved the mountains. You know, going to the mountain and climbing mountains. And so I wanted to be a geologist. So that's what I wanted really to be. And um, my family couldn't afford to send me out to study geology in Buenos Aires or in Cordoba. So uh, I settled for a petroleum engineer that had a lot of geology in it. And, right. You know, I loved science and math and stuff. So uh, I'm really happy I did. I mean, I loved that, that career. It was super interesting. So I ended up being a, a petroleum engineer. And at, at repsol right yep i started working with it was ypf then it was you know like state-owned company i started right on the transition you know becoming sort of a public company so it was a great time to be there mm. um you know it was a it was a company that really welcomed you know people taking risks and, and 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 you know i was super young and making you know decisions you know over a lot of money and, wow. and kind of on the spot so it was pretty exciting It's yeah. good training it was a good training, you yeah. Know? did yeah. they have
0: any sort of uh, was it strictly engineering or did you have some project development and sales experience there?
1: Not really. it was it was definitely you know a lot of technical. There was a lot of you know uh, you know project development in the sense of more of a you know oil and gas you know development but you know definitely there were the concepts of you know investments and and, and project returns and and that everything had to kind of be justified on that but mm. you know a lot of my my work was you know you know fairly you know pretty heavy engineering work which yeah. I loved. that's great and and i had a pretty extensive field training so you know i've i've drilled wells i've, no way. I've Fracked. what yeah fracking no. is is when fracturing you shoot right hydraulic shoot, fracturing yeah, so. water
0: or some other substance down exactly. into the earth to force the oil out
1: so you know it's uh it wasn't you know my day-to-day work but it was part of a training so you know i'm happy you know of uh you know being where i am now mm-hmm. but it was a great school i mean i, I really you know and, and as a as a you know intellectually is it was just fascinating
0: work yeah not only that you also really understand you have a great perspective more than most in the solar industry about what we refer to as the dark side <laughs> And, I know, yeah. and, and what exactly yeah. it is that we're trying to disrupt as an industry so but. tell me about the catalyst for leaving repsol how did you know that it was the right time to move on
1: you know i i remember once i was uh you know i was living in, in patagonia at the time i lived there for almost six years while i was w- working you know a station there and i remember i was, I was just taking a, a flight to Buenos Aires one day and and you know when the plane would leave you would just fly over uh, you know, the oil fields, and, I, and, and and it was just, it just saddened me to see how destroyed mm-hmm. everything was after years of years of that, and it just didn't feel right, you know, and uh, I think, you know, I met great people, I think their work is great, I think, you know, we're not going to be out of oil tomorrow, I think the people, into, into something, it took out well, but, but I, I knew that. Yeah, that. and did you go straight from there for your... Sure, I did, I... I uh, um. Yep. I uh, you know I knew. I think it was I wanted to go to San Francisco, New York, London, and uh, San Francisco happened. And um, it's great.
0: Know. So you put yourself in your mid twenties and you're thinking I want to get out of here, and you set this goal. I want, I've got three cities. I've done this a lot in my life too, like uh-huh. London, New York, or San Francisco, right? And so it was kind of cast your lots in San Francisco. Uh, for for whatever reasons, maybe it was acceptance to school one out, and that's kind of how you ended up in San Francisco.
1: Yep. I applied to, you know, a few business schools. I mean, that was sort of... uh, LSE, Stern, and San (laughs) Francisco. Yeah. And I actually did my MBA at the University of San Francisco, USF. And and, uh, yeah, it was a great school. I really enjoyed it. It was in the heart of the city. So it was a great experience. Did you focus on anything in particular in MBA? Uh, Finance. Finance. So I did, a, you know, I was always gotcha. kind of good, good with numbers, and 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 really like that. And you know, in my last couple of years in in Repsol, I was doing a lot of the, you know, sort of business side of the of yeah. the projects, both on the exploration and production. Double of threat, an engineer with a finance. <laughs>
0: well, having come up come up through in the solar industry, being in California, I know how it's very difficult to explain the logic of like going from MBA school to getting into solar. I don't think we need to cover that necessarily, but Mm -hmm. as it were, you ended up getting into the solar industry and in fact have been a part of a number of, a bunch of kind of historic (laughs) things in the solar industry as it were, I guess. Obviously, if you want to talk about silicon, we can, and that was was probably a, a fun solar coaster ride. But you also were involved in some of the early big wins in Mexico as a solar market. So you've seen it all when it comes to market development. I'd love for you to reflect a little bit on that if you want, but I'm also curious on the heels of that, what has you excited right now in the area of
1: solar business models and what's going on in the solar space? You know, just just to briefly touch on, you know, the beginnings. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was super exciting. It was a complete different market and reality and technology and and, uh, and the challenges were a little bit different Um and you know, and and it's just so amazing to be standing right now, you know, with um, you know where solar has gotten to it in terms of competitiveness and 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 and, and market uh, acceptance. And market acceptance, yeah, it's just it's just fascinating. You know, I started probably you know close when you started, where you know a solar panel was you know four or five bucks a watt. Yeah, and like one hundred and seventy-five watts. Right, not a lot of people make that. No, it was like yeah, it wasn't at three hundred and twenty watts. It was half of that, yeah. and um, and right now it's just amazing. I mean, it has a whole other host of challenges, mm-hmm. and, and and issues. But you know, we got where we were dreaming of getting much faster than we ever thought we could and, and it's great and i think everybody you know you and everybody in this industry had done you know their small contribution mm. to that you know and this is great
0: so where do you see we got there faster than you thought what are the yeah. things that likewise you see growing faster than you expected and that really have you excited about where the solar industry is going
1: you know, the fact that we're you know, we're talking about unsubsidized solar, at least in Mexico and largely right. in Latin America, you know, Brazil probably has different, you know, conditions, but it's it, to me it's great. You know, I mean I talk to colleagues sometimes and they complain all the time the prices are too low and that is it's gotten extremely competitive and, and, and I agree with that. But I think overall as an industry it's great because we we can now compete and out compete pretty much any other, you know, uh, so let's, you know let's, technology. Let's actually drill down there, metaphor intended. You have
0: direct experience from a decade past of a, a very established, you know, some may say archaic dinosaur industry that probably had similar complaints. <laughs> Reflect a little bit on, on how a, let's say like a, an oil and gas company in the 90s might have been looking at the market, similarly to how the solar industry is feeling today? margins similarly crushed? Uh, maybe, you know, folks feeling pinched? Do you feel like, yeah. it, is it similar? Is it completely different in the way that people approach the market? I'm just, I have no idea. No, so.
1: no, no, it's, it's really interesting that you're bringing that up. I think the dynamics are, are different. I mean, um, at least now. I mean, the uh, you know, I mean, definitely oil and gas development is, is directly tied to the price of oil, right? Yeah. And the higher it is, the more development, you know, happens yeah. and, and, and new place, you know, deep yeah. water, you know, shale, all that stuff is, is now viable, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I think I remember back in the days of solar, we would always, I remember pitching PPAs to clients, you yeah. know, 500 kilowatts. And, you know, the price of oil was definitely something that you always talked about because, right. hey, you know, if, if if that goes up, your energy price is going to go up. So definitely it had a relationship with today It's irrelevant. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the oil totally price decoupled. is. Yeah. So it's fantastic to me to see that. I mean, back to the, you know, the, when I was in oil and gas, I worked in oil and gas through the worst crisis of that industry. I remember... You know the lowest the uh, the barrel price was was ten dollars a barrel wow. you know which t- i mean today is what $50,000, 50, i don't yeah, know it's, it's gotten to what the thirtieth yeah. right and yeah. even the twenty and yeah, yeah. I'm very freaked out million. it's crashed I man? remember when it was like ten you know wow. when i when I left it was probably like thirteen or fourteen wow, and you know i mean um so I've lived through that and and uh I think the most exciting part of all that is, is probably what I said before, that, that for solar nowadays it just doesn't matter. You know? I mean, right. Oil is cheap, so what? I mean we 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 can be, you know, more competitive than gas.
0: Do you think there's something still we have to work on in the, as a business model to really truly compete
1: head to head with oil and gas? Well I don't I don't think I I think, you know, you know, where I see that the the, the, the the you know the next major trend for me is integration. Right because i mean we don 't need to compete now with, oil, with, with with gas generation, we need to integrate right we need, we need you know, for the flexible person, what,
0: is, what is the what does integration mean for the layperson? Well, to
1: me is is, is is how do we you know as we bring more pV to the grid yeah. you know and, 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 and solar being by nature you know intermittent and, and, and only generating when the research is available when yeah. the sun is shining yeah. You know, you need our technologies to, you know, Mm -hmm. to feed the grid when solar is, is, you know, when it's nighttime, right? So coupling Um,
0: with other technologies of generation or storage or... Yeah, yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, um, you know, I I think uh, solar can really use, you know, newer uh, combined cycle plant technology, you know, not the old dinosaurs that... You know, uh, are not flexible. They can ramp up very quickly, but right. newer technology. Yeah. So that would be great because it can be probably, you know, as competitive or more competitive than storage in some cases. You yeah. know, because you can get the scale. Storage definitely. I completely
0: is, uh, agree with you. I think there's such a negative connotation in our industry mm-hmm. with being associated in any way with with fossil fuels, with fossil fuels, or mm-hmm. yeah, or with an internal combustion engine of any sort of natural gas at all, right? And the reality is in some ways you know, users kind of view solar as crappy power, right? Like now we've gotten it to the point where it's cheap intermittent right. power, right? But it's not delivered on a consistent scale the way that coal is or the way that oil is. Right. right, right. So, yeah, I think I see the industry maturing in a similar way where people are starting to say, okay, look, we have to extend an olive branch to the oil and gas industry. We have to figure out how to integrate, as you say, CHP plants, how do we get, uh, how do we play nice as generators? Because, you know, whether we like it or not, Texaco and Chevron are implementing solar. It's a part of their mix, right? Like the big oil and gas companies see it and they're integrating it now as just another generator. They just see it as another generator, not, whereas we consider it as a disruptor. And you know, the fact is that now we are seen by the world as just another generator and one that's gained credibility now in the market
1: right absolutely i mean every every model that has solar penetration going into the 20s and 30s and 40s and right. 50s percent right of the of the grid really requires other technologies to you know to back it up and to support the intermittency mm-hmm. and, and i think you know i agree with you i think you know gas can definitely be one of those you yeah. know and i think there's been a lot of efficiencies and in, and in, in, you know done on that side of of uh, gas exploration and production and also natural gas plants to say well you can have a really good marriage between solar as it is now and the future yeah. and gas. Uh, definitely, storage, I think, is major, and I think we're going to be really talking and integrating storage at a scale, you know, very soon.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, you've worked a lot, I mean, obviously, now at Next Tracker, you are principally supplying products, right? Which mm-hmm. is a different. Maybe a new role for you. I mean, at Silicon, it was supplying product, but it was really creating the demand to pull through the product, right? Because you were project development. But
1: Silicon was project development. You know, yeah, we exactly. were sort of you know pretty separate from the from the yeah. module side, and so was hangwa Yeah, that so was, was exciting. We yeah. we didn't have you know a strong mandate. You know for the modules necessarily the driver you know development was seen as a business in itself and if it can help the modules high great. yeah it's interesting because in the
0: industry some people just look at it and they're like always oh, with q cells right or always oh, with silicon right and you have to overcome that every day yeah. every month yeah of like no wait guys i, I have no mandate i'd i'd love to hear uh, obviously you have developed a core skill set that kind of makes you a bit of a bit of a uh, a ninja in the product sales side of the business right <laughs> how how do you feel you've been able to leverage what you learned in the development side moving into transitioning to next Tracker?
1: that's a great question i think that given that my background is you know on project development and you know and other things everything we talked before i think it makes a lot of people you know my clients feel comfortable with me because i i tend to understand their point of view, their needs, yeah. you know, because it, you know, it was my job That's just right. only a few months ago, you that know, not necessarily, you know, more the, the the procurement and technical side, but definitely the development and investment side. So, but again, you know, I really understand, you know, what their concerns are and what their goals are. Mm. And, and, and I think it gives me the advantage of knowing beforehand how to address that right. and how to, you know, um, you know, position next tracker. Are you crafting your
0: sales pitch already, overcoming those objections from the very beginning?
1: Yeah, you know, definitely. And 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 the other thing is that is that you know, I mean, I can you know, it's also you know, a bit my personality that you know, I don't like to alienate folks or make them feel uncomfortable. So you know, it's 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 easy for me to you know create sort of you know a safe environment for them to you know just to talk. I'm not just trying to. Do you think it condenses the sales cycle for you? Compared to, you know, someone that doesn't have that experience? Uh, You know, I mean, there's different styles. I mean, I know our folks that are, you know, extremely aggressive, and yet they're very successful too. So, you know, I I don't think... Oh, and I don't
0: mean the aggressive versus like passive consultative style. I mean, given what you know, do you feel like you can either A, bring a a project to fruition faster for your client, or B, even better, in your case, enter into the sales cycle later while your competitors perhaps are... Maybe they're priming the pump for you, right? And then you can step right. in and say, "Hey, guys, I know where you're at." Like, do you do you feel like that's a reality, or is that uh, you know that
1: more the former than the latter? But yeah. you know, but definitely. And and another thing is that you know I uh, sometimes I you know can can you know run away from something because I know it's gonna get nowhere. Yeah. Which I'm is also you, useful. I'm glad you brought that up. So <laughs> uh, because, because you I,
0: know what to look for in development, you can quickly identify when someone... Yeah. Is, you, what are some... I, I'd love if, you, if you'd be willing to share. What are some telltale signs where you look at a deal and you go, these guys aren't ready. Or they're not ready now, so I'm going to come back in six months. Or I'm never going to try to sell these guys. I want... I mean, I'll... Name like uh, ArrayTech, right? Your number one competitor in the world. Maybe, maybe they're not even your number one competitor, but they are in the US. But I want Raytech mm-hmm. to waste their time on these guys. But mm-hmm. I know they're not going to go anywhere.
1: Well, I mean, definitely, you know, the the understanding, you know, development, y- you can, you know, you can gauge very well just with a few questions. You know, the project timeline. You know, mm-hmm. is the is the project ready or nearly ready or not at all? So that's one because you can say, okay, you know, this is one that probably I want to spend, you know, half an hour right. this year and really not waste a lot of my time and resources and, and mobilize my team yeah. when I know this thing's gonna happen for a while. Right. You know, and probably I can spend, you know, time, you know, on a phone call every once in a while, a cup right. of coffee here and there, but really not spend engineering resources, you know, yeah. to try to win something that does not exist. You know, the the other thing is is understanding, you know, the the Knowing the people, you know, having worked with some of these guys, you know, before, and knowing that sometimes that's not a fit for you, you know, Mm -hmm. because, and, you know, and there's, you know, everybody has different needs, right? But, you know, there's some folks that are just looking at price, you know. There's these guys that are looking, you know, only at this type of product or that technology. So I think that's useful information, you know. It might curtail some opportunities, but also you don't waste your time, you know, and and, and that's valuable. Yeah, so... I think it's mostly the ability to ask a few questions and you know, either not get an answer or get the answer I need to say, you know, this is ready or this is not. What? And what? then the other thing is relationships, right? right. I mean folks know me and, and 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 uh and and sometimes, you know, they get me involved in projects and and, and you know, I kinda of have a you know, a a, a pretty you know, good view into, you know, projects that are not yet in the market. And I know that they have serious people behind and, right. you know, that's yeah. an advantage. What would you say are the,
0: the two most critical pieces? Like if they don't have this or that, I'm not spending time with them. Yeah, I'll grab coffee, but I'm not spending time with them.
1: Well, you know, I mean, definitely, you know, PPA to this day is, it is critical. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, nothing, really nothing, a, yeah, no? nothing that has a contract. Yeah. Nothing that has it, you know, sort of a, a merchant based, I mean, we, we we just saw what happened in Chile, right? I mean, that was a boom and yeah. now it's gone. So, nothing that has a PPA probably will get anybody excited to, right. you know, I mean, you can support people, right? right. You need a layout, you need a little bit of, you know, you know. and sometimes you do that and that's fine. You know, if it's clients of ours or folks that we work in the past, mm. you'll do that for them, you'll help them. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's not, you know, it's something urgent, you that's know, right. you're not gonna win that that's business right. tomorrow. Uh, probably PPA is critical, and then uh, I think it's knowing the stakeholders. You know, it's just knowing who's involved in the project, and that means who owns it, who's going to be the PC, yeah. Uh, and if you can, uh, who's going to be uh, financing the project? Because that gives you, you know, if you've been around, an idea of if there's an opportunity there for That's you or right. not. That's right. And
0: said a different way, it's kind of structuring the the sales architecture, right? Who's your champion? who's the actual economic buyer and I, right. I'm sure you've skinned your knees a couple of times, right? Where are you? You're, <laughs> working, couple. you're working with a couple of times a week. Yeah. Where you are working with a developer? They get you all excited. They've got the PPA and then the next week you get that phone call. Hey, we just sold a deal. Right now you got, you literally start from scratch Right, because it sold to a hedge fund that you aren't familiar with.
1: But yeah, absolutely. That can happen. You know, uh, you know, I. <laughs> you know, I, I. That's why you know the, the timing is also critical. You know, usually, you know, we'll work with uh, you know with developers, you know, mostly folks that you do have a relationship with, and you know that you know what you're just doing is is probably creating some goodwill. Yeah. You know, maybe you get you know your 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 technology to be you know part of their connection study and their permitting and. You know that's good, but you know that they're not gonna, you know, make the de- the decision right. in regards to you know acquiring the the project. And for us, it's critical. Mm-hmm. You know, very soon is is who who is making the decision here? Is it is it this owner? Are they gonna sell it? Is it the APC? Even you know, owner might not change. I mean, this, that's really important because you can really spin your wheels, like you said, and mm-hmm. you spend a lot of time and a lot of money. Yeah talking to the wrong people. Yeah, you know? and building and, a pipeline that's favorite. So we've we all done it, and I do yeah. it. And the thing is, like, that's one of you know, my goals, to try to minimize that constantly. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, let's play
0: a game that I like to do sometimes with folks like yourself who understand the market at a pretty deep level. We call it Hot or Not. I'll name a market. Oh. You're probably familiar with it. I'll name a market. And you tell me simply, is it hot? Or not? Is it it lukewarm, maybe, your answer? And give me maybe a 10-second justification of what you think. Uh, We'll start in your backyard with Mexico. Hot. Okay.
1: Yeah. You know, four gigs, contracted, uh, you know, steady uh, growth, uh, bilateral market heating up, definitely hot. All right. Now, your old backyard, Argentina. Um, Cautionary hot. And, and I think the market, is, you know, is hot, 1.3 gigawatt contracted. I think, you know, a lot of demand for power that is genuine and real, but it's Argentina. Mm-hmm. You know, things take longer. Uh, Argentina has a past.
0: I'll actually, we'll take a, a slight deviation before we go to the next country. As an Argentine, yeah. what would you caution folks who think it might be, cautious? you know, obviously your cautionary tale, what would you say, hey, guys, look, it's Argentina. You got to look for, you know, this is what I'm concerned about as an Argentine that I think is going to impact whether or not these deals happen
1: you know i was talking to somebody uh, just a few weeks ago and and about the, the i was in argentina and we we're talking about argentina and you know and they were talking about financing risk and this person said well i don't think that the, the risk is that high i said look you know you get a 20-year loan right so you have 20 or 20 20-year 20 exposure just flip those 20 years back from today in argentina and see all that's happened that's a good everything you know, I mean, uh, you got, you know, a, you know, 100% devaluation, you had five presidents in one year or in, one, in in five days, something like that. It was crazy. You know, you had civil unrest, you have defaults. You had repatriation. You know, that's right. You have, <laughs> you know, correct. So you have all this stuff. And, and and, uh, and you know, that's my country and I love my country. But, yeah. you know, if you're going to make a long-term investment, if, if the developer is not, not looking at that, yeah. definitely the bank will. Right. So, so market mechanics look yeah. like they could be
0: presenting a case for hot, but the reality is that hot is um, is is could be momentary because Macri right. is only there for another three years, and yeah. maybe he'll get reelected, and that's still only eight years.
1: Right, but you know, i I'm, I'm not cynical. I'm not a cynical person, and I'm not cynical about Argentina. I think Argentina is definitely heading in the right direction. Mm. So, I think. Um, uh, I, I, You know, I think Argentina will improve. uh, But again, you know, if you're talking, you know, in the little universe of, you know, financing a project and securing debt, you know, again, Mm. if you don't look at that, the bank will and the bank will do that analysis. And Argentina has a, you know, pretty interesting recent past.
0: Yeah. So let's flip across the the border to the once darling of the land solar industry, hot or not,
1: Chile uh cold man <laughs> <laughs> well you know chile is uh it was definitely hot now um it uh, chile is going through an impasse i think chile needs you know a year more year and a half more to sort itself out and it'll be hot again
0: does the transmission line make a difference
1: yeah it does it does because you know you have two isolated system i mean it would really help on you know having a, a bigger market for those pv projects and it also helped to you know um you know have a cushion for for pricing pricing you know you know, no pricing not being so jumpy as it has been so it's been you know it'll give a little bit more of the stability to a market yeah. definitely so let's put into
0: practice the conversation we had about five minutes ago you're planning your time you're planning your travel yeah. how much of your attention do you give to chile when you think it's a not hot market but it has potential
1: my day, I would say, is seventy percent Mexico, twenty percent Chile, because we have some stuff going on, yeah, and ten percent everything else. Wow, yeah, that's an interesting breakdown. Yeah, we'll, we'll stick. We'll stick with the southern. That might economy. change. Yeah,
0: we'll stick with the southern cone for a minute. And I know that you're not responsible for Brazil, but what do you think of Brazil?
1: Um, you know, I'm more neutral on Brazil. I think, uh, you know, has Brazil has is, is a massive country, amazing economy. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, constant growing uh, power needs. I think shifting a little bit from hydro to renewables to, you know, wind and solar, yeah. tons of opportunity. We all know what's happening, you know, politically in Brazil right now. Not a great time. But I think, you know, uh, you know, th- we're seeing a lot of project implementation. We're actually, you know, in the midst of a 190 million watt project. Yeah. And, you yeah, know, you we, we have another big one c- coming up. Of the few people who are actually making money on the Brazil market. <laughs> we're very vested yeah. in Brazil. Yeah. And, you know, our parent company, Flex, has a, you know, pretty significant operation there. And I don't think if, if they weren't there, probably right. we wouldn't be there. Right. But we sense. are. And, uh, and and we're doing well. I mean, yeah. we are but, you know, but we've done a significant investment in the country. I mean, my, the outlook for Brazil, is, I think, is good. Yeah. You know, it's always uh, complicated but, and risky. But, but it's still good. not hot. <laughs> Probably not hot as Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's round out South America with Colombia. Hot or not? Uh, no. You know, uh, I, I hear a lot about Colombia. Uh, I don't see Colombia necessarily being a steady, strong utility scale market. Probably a hot market for DG. Yeah. You know, fingers crossed. I mean, my heart is in DG. That's so right. I hope it does. Um, You know, hopefully there'll be a couple of projects coming out of Colombia that we can do utility scale. But I don't see it as a, I've been wrong many times, hopefully I'm wrong about this one, but I don't see it as hot. Yeah.
0: And given your breakdown of how you spend your time, I'm going to assume what I think the answers might be for these next two, but we want to leave them in because they're nonetheless viable viable markets. What do you think about Central America, hot or not?
1: Um, I think it is. Yeah. You know, uh, in its own scale, it is, I mean, Salvador had just an auction. We're seeing projects, and we're seeing nice projects. Yeah. Yep. You know, not not too big, yeah. but good. I mean, we're talking about an entire
0: country that has the volume of one project. In right. Right. So. Yeah,
1: and then you have Panama. I think Panama is the white elephant in the in the Central America room, right? Because it has all these contracts that have been kind of you know blocked, Fantastic. and things are not moving. But I think you know the potential is there. Yeah. Uh, is a very fossil fuel driven, you know, region, you know, with a lot of need for power. Yeah. Hydro uh, and fossil. Correct. So, you know, hey, you know. Yeah. And then lastly the Caribbean. I know you don't spend much time there. No, unfortunately no, not for trackers because right. you know high right. wind, uh, you know, uh, little availability of flat land mm-hmm. um, make it difficult. Yeah. So no hope for us. And it's an
0: important caveat, I mean as a tracker company, do you have like a minimum threshold of a project size that you're interested in?
1: Uh no, I mean, you know, I mean, my, the typical projects are definitely, you know, 30 40 megs and up. Right. But we have a whole group uh, in the US uh, that is doing DG. Wow. So we have a, oh, you oh, know, we have a product that we call, you know, Next Fusion, which is a yeah, uh, tracker module. Inverter, yeah. string inverter. So now we, we package have, the whole thing, right? Exactly. And yeah. and it's been fairly successful in projects, you know, from one to five megs. Yeah. And just for, I guess,
0: curiosity's sake, do you have, what's the wind load rating typically for, I mean, for you guys, does that, effect, obviously that affects going in the Caribbean? And, it, it does.
1: So. Um, you know, the Caribbean is, is sort of not just the wind, uh, but it's also a combination of, you know, overall market, right. you know, I mean, how, how big the market is actually of to course. actually do that. Um, but you know, I mean, w- w- we are doing projects in in, 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 with regions, with winds, you know, right. Like, you in know, Asia, up to 130 miles per right? hour. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're, dealing with high winds in some places. Definitely. Nice. What do you see?
0: Um, so that's good. We're going to transition a little bit here. What do you see entrepreneurs and developers currently doing that unequivocally they should stop doing? I guess uh, said another way, why you, you think about it? What are the biggest time wasters that you find your developers getting lost in, getting mired in?
1: I mean, a big one is, you know, uh, trying to extract the last dollar of a project. Mm. You know, to me, I've always seen it, especially the, the smaller developers, uh, that usually ends up, uh, you know, with a lot of projects dying. You know, when folks kind of run around and doing the, you know, the shopping round so many times that everybody... Is tired of them, and they lose the credibility, and at the end of the day, they lose their project. Because, I mean, these this, uh projects, these assets that you know folks develop, have an expiration date. Yeah, you know, and if you push it too hard, uh, you know, you might you might uh, find yourself in trouble. And I've seen it many times. So that's one, you know, and, and, and that greediness. Yeah, I think is a, is a, is a good way of doing business. I think at some point you got to meet in the middle. Yeah. And, and and kind it's of a good litmus test for you as well as a yeah you got to be able to at one point say you know okay you know we've done our best you know grinding each other on price now we're together let's let's make sure that we get you know the best and we implement well right and uh, that's those are the best kind of clients so you know the greediness is is uh, definitely pervasive and is not good and we see it a lot. You know, the other thing is the good old, you know, I have a piece of land with a transmission line going by and thinking right. you got a project, you know, yeah. you, no, you don't.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed. So they're calling you too early or they are, uh, they just don't understand the development process.
1: Nowadays, I'm not working as a, as a project development anymore, but that was the case then. Oh yeah, sunshine and there was land and there was a power line somewhere and there, there was a project and, and it's like, well, oh, yeah, it's too early. There's a lot to happen. Insight there. Some on
0: those got land and a transmission line going over it. What's the timeline? If I know nothing about how this works, what should I know ahead of time about how long it's going to take to get from that piece of land conversation to them having something that you could sell to?
1: Typically. That averages here. Or not? <laughs> if, I have, if I have to tell you exactly, it will take you three times as long as you think, and it's yeah. going to cost you twice as you think. That's right. And uh, and then you put put whatever you think is gonna take you and cost you and multiply by three and by two. I don't know. I mean, typically, you know, solar developer, solar development will take you, you know, from the time you identify land, which is very critical. I mean, land is, you know, I mean, working in trackers have given me, you know, so much insight mm-hmm. into development because now we're dealing with you know, the the subsurface. Right. And, you know, and, 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 and it's really important. It really affects your your project, you know, competitiveness. If you have a really bad soil, you know, your pro, your project is more expensive. It takes longer to build, yeah. which is more expensive. So finding the site is it's just, you know, it's critical. Yeah. And, you know, but it can take, you know, just to answer your question, I mean, rule of thumb, no less than 24 to 36 months. I mean. right.
0: Yep. Two, and it depend,
1: depends each market right i mean if a market with auctions like mexico yeah. and then if you have other totally markets different. that is more bilateral market can take even longer right you know yeah
0: and we could go into much greater detail on how to identi- how we would identify whether those are real but well let's talk a little bit about maybe a couple minutes on the mexico market which is obviously where you put a lot of ter- a lot of your time the subastas there's obviously one more still coming up do you feel like I hear a lot of stuff in the market that ah, I don't know, you know these projects aren't going to get built, you know it's four yeah. gigawatts it's four gigawatts of capacity, but who knows maybe two will get built
1: what's you're here, your fingers on the pulse. what do you think's really happening? um no, you know i'm 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 pretty positive and optimistic about the the, the pipeline that is contracted, and I think you know most of it, if not all, is going to get built. You how know, much of
0: it do you think is going to get flipped from the
1: winner uh, of the thing is you know if you look at it uh, um you know a lot of the players that have you know won in these auctions you know are sort of flippers you know yeah. and they're doing what but they want to consider anel a flipper no but you know i mean uh the thing is that as as long as the projects get built you know i think and i think they will. Uh what's going to change is exactly what you're saying, is the how and when, Yeah, you know, projects probably are not going to get completed by the, the original, original owner or, you know, they might get a little extended, but we're seeing, you know, I mean, including, you know, the another project that was just announced at Breaking Ground, mm-hmm. you know, those projects are moving forward. uh Yeah. Yeah. no I'm, I'm very positive about the the Mexico projects I think that you know all of them even the most the most complicated projects are gonna get built I mean the, the government has really taken a lot of ownership mm-hmm. in the success of this project mm-hmm. so probably not following projects but at least yeah. this first vintage they're, they're gonna support them in any way so you don't
0: think it's a question of people just underbidding to get the best price to win the auction and then you know basically pricing themselves out of getting getting the necessary uh, Procurement price, right? So uh, you're probably facing this right now, right? I, f- I find that, pe- that folks in these scenarios often ask for unreasonably low module and, fr- and racking prices and, and inverter prices.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that always happens. I think is the thirst in this industry to win a contract. And so it, it happens, uh, you know, at that level, you know, winning a PPA, and then it trickles down yeah. all the way into, you know, the supply chain. So Does definitely. it mean that it
0: just has to wait until the market gets there, until the supply chain gets there?
1: Well, there's always people willing to say yes, right. unfortunately, or oh, well, yeah. unfortunately, I yeah. don't know, you know, I mean, sometimes you, you're on the losing end of that right. bargain, mm-hmm. uh, or at least you think. Yeah, um, And... Uh, but I think overall I think is is good for the industry. Yeah. You know, I think we're I think you know, get getting to under the you know thirty dollars a mile hour I think we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Right. It doesn't it's not necessary um you know and, and margins and also if you compare it with other technologies, it's like why why would you go lower than that? You right. Know, energy has never been free, right? Yeah. But um but I think I like that. You know, the dynamics of the uh, of the industry are competitive in nature, and um, you know, and I think it's a good thing. You know, I mean, it, it's it's aggressive. Some projects, you know, will need to wait a little bit. Some will need to be reworked. Mm. Like it always happens. Hopefully, none of them, you know, get a fatal blow. Right, uh, but you know, I mean, folks are creative. Suppliers are being aggressive. Uh, yeah. You know, I think at this project—I mean, I know them all by name and address. Right, <laughs> I think they're going to get done.
0: That's good news. That's good news. Yeah. What are some key lessons or takeaways from some of the most important mentors in your life or your career?
1: I've learned a, a lot from uh, quite a few people, but you know, one of my best, one of my best bosses was Matt Macola. Matt was the managing director of Hanwha Mm. when we were there, and um, and Matt was just fantastic. You know what I learned of him is take risk, surround yourself of smart people, people that know more than you do, not the other way around. Don't be afraid to take risk. Don't be afraid. I mean, this is. I mean, risk is impossible to take away. I mean, we need to manage it um, and, and, and quantify it. So, you know, working there was a great school. It was such a talented group of folks yeah um, is but I think 18. it's mostly that I think is mostly is the people component you know trusting other people you yeah. know, and not other people necessarily trusting you, you trusting other people, you yeah. depositing part of your future on other folks, and when you can do that typically is because you have the right people around you, typically, and things are great I mean things happen very differently uh, than if you do not delegate or do not trust or you know try to do it all yourself which is definitely my tendency that relaxing in that way and and trusting your team is to me has been critical i mean now i'm covering i don't know seven eight different countries can do it myself right? You know, and then you have to trust you know folks that work with you to actually you know make those decisions and make those calls, like my boss trusts me to do it right so Makes sense. and also you know know your know your stuff I mean that's more you know uh, from from the oil and gas side is always know your, know your numbers know know you know where can you expect the problems to right. arise. don't be caught. Uh, with your pants down because you're going to freak out and that's the worst thing that can happen to you when, yeah. when you're in the middle of a deal or in the middle of drilling a well yeah. or in the middle of something.
0: Understand, yeah, understand what your ball back is and how you're yep. going to overcome objections. That's, that's wonderful. So the last part of, of each episode is uh, moving into learning, we call learning leadership and legacy. What's the book that has most influenced a positive change you've made in your business or in your personal life?
1: Um, or both maybe it's two different books (laughs) you know I uh I'm a total nerd you know but I'm the guy that will you know delve into you know 100 pages technical document on storage and I will read it and I will take the time to do it and I will read uh, you know because I I I like to know and I'm curious and and I want to know but when I read, I read fiction. I just like to Awesome. Disconnect. Yeah, and and yeah. fiction takes me to a different place and, and it helps me I mean, I love reading and I, and but I you know, I rarely read nonfiction unless it's, you know, biographies. Wow. And you know, I recently read one on Thomas Jefferson and I loved it. You yeah. know, I, I wanted to know more. Do
0: you remember the author?
1: Um, uh, actually my wife uh it's it really now oh yeah uh but i'll, I'll tell you we have it there yeah and it's a is a fascinating book because it's uh i mean he was such a you know an amazing and interesting you know person in such an interesting time yeah of the united states and an autodidact like yourself absolutely you know and and uh you know i i don't think i could ever compare myself to him but uh you know i'm uh, uh what about
0: fiction so thomas jefferson for sure will link to that one
1: Zawa oh there john meacham. john meacham yeah he does That's a... and uh so john meacham thomas you know Jefferson, one of my favorite um, art of power you know one of my favorite writers is um you know i like uh michael chabon you know he's a bay area writer and you know he wrote the amazing adventures of cavalier and clay which is my one of my favorite books ever that. the
0: amazing adventures the of cavalier, cavalier and clay, clay. michael shabon yeah.
1: michael shabon wow rugi murakami a japanese guy really love uh, you know his his fiction his mm. sort of prose and fiction and you know I'm I'm, I'm 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 a big reader but again you know i do it because it just nurtures me it just yeah. it just helps me of it's course. a personal journey that's what this is all about. Uh, more That's than yeah. And uh have and you that... read
0: Ready Player One? Huh? Have you read Ready Player I have One? Not. You gotta put that one on your list. Yeah, I will. Yeah, it was that that book. I don't read a lot of fictions, I'm the opposite. And I started reading fiction based on just some recommendations of friends. So this and... is what we're
1: gonna do, Nico. You're gonna give me that book and I'm gonna gift Perfect. you you know my my recommended uh you know fiction book to you. Perfect. There we go. We'll do that. Yeah. We'll swap.
0: Absolutely. And I have a I do a I do a reading list for Suncast listeners. So I, oh, good. I curate like what, what everyone is reading that are solar leaders. And it's amazing, the list of books just goes on and on. Just last night, I was talking to a new friend of mine, Gabriel, and he said, what are you reading? And I, he was so excited because I gave him a list of like 10 books. And I've read most of them, but all of them were recommended by guests from the show. Really? And he was on fire. He was so stoked. So, yeah, I'd cool. Happily, I'd happily yeah, be. I love
1: that. I love to yeah always you know get new recommendations. Yeah. You know, actually, the last three books I've read have been given by friends Perfect. and colleagues of mine. that It's like, yeah. you should read Perfect. this. And I love them.
0: Yeah, the book that, I mean, Ready Player One is the one that I've gifted the most so far. and Good. Uh, Just because it's, for me, it's like, if you aren't a fiction reader and you read this book, it. I read it and I couldn't stop. I was literally three Who's in the, the morning reader? reading it. Who's the author? Uh, I, I can't remember it off okay. the top of my head. Yeah, um, no, I'd love to read it. Yeah. So what one thing do you consistently do that yields the greatest impact or results? Could be personal or professional life what do you do consistently that like besides reading that nurtures you could be running could be
1: um riding my bike uh yeah. exercise exercising you know that sometimes traveling gets kind of in the way but Cuts into it but yeah but yeah i you know Definitely that's something that I noticed that I'm more creative, I'm more relaxed, I'm less stressed when I do it and exactly the opposite when I don't do it. So I get the the, the instant proof Mm -hmm. that it works. I wonder if it's just that I
0: gravitate towards people like that because... That's the, um, uh, one of the more common answers for my guests, yeah. you know, like even going back to, I mean, the first few guests, it was absolutely the answer, like Camilo, who runs triathlons and Edgar, who mm-hmm. runs like, right. I'm <laughs> not like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I well, am not like, but, but yeah, you know, it totally makes sense. I know you find, uh,
0: you find time sometimes to be online. Where would someone be able to connect with you?
1: Um, you know, I'm uh, t- try to be more active on Twitter. Uh, but you know, I have my LinkedIn page and, uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of more, uh, a little bit more old school than you are in that regard. Don't forget to update your LinkedIn. Page. I like the, <laughs> I like the good old, uh, phone It's yeah. good. And if we can see each other in person, yeah. all well, the better.
0: Well, for that matter, I mean, what's your email address if people wanted to email you directly, if they want to just reach out. Is that okay? So,
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's A L O P E Z at nexttracker.com. com. Okay. So, and his next tracker have two T's? No, just tracker, one. Just one T. In the just middle? one
0: T. Okay, next tracker.
1: Don't ask me to spell it. I'll yeah. probably confuse everybody even more.
0: And we always finish with uh, a bold prediction. So, Alejo, what one thing do you see happening in the market that perhaps nobody else is tra- tracking? What do you see in your crystal ball?
1: Um, I'm not sure if uh, nobody else is tracking, but I think definitely Pv. Both distributed and utility scale will be, you know, the, the most adopted technology by 2025. Okay. Hands down. I mean, this is just nuts. Yeah. How's it going? Yeah.
0: Well, for sure. When PV becomes the most accepted technology, we will still be covering it here on Suncast. Alejo, yeah. really, really stoked to have you on the show, man. Thank you, Nico. Yeah, was, thanks for joining. It was a pleasure. A lot of fun. That's a wrap on today's conversation, Solar Warriors, and you're now well-armed for battle. Hopefully, you'll take away some great tools for your own success. I'd love it if you'd share what you learned or share the episode over on LinkedIn. Let me know what other tools you need. If you want to sharpen the axe a little bit more, I've shared some of the resources we discussed in today's conversation over at mysuncast.com. Just click on the latest episode link in the title bar. Perhaps the best tool in your arsenal might be subscribing to the mailing list while you're there so that you'll get an email from yours truly when new content is available. Have a suggestion for someone you think should join the conversation? Email me, nico at mysuncast.com, or shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Hey, that's it. Thanks for being here. Until next time, stay informed, my friend, and stay tuned.